Can I just thank you? It's been a blessing for us to be here with you. I've been mightily encouraged. Sometimes when you get in your own little church, your own little bubble, you think nothing is happening. Then you come to another church and see your striving, your desire to follow Jesus, your desire to lift up Jesus' name. Just let's just say, even the message I gave yesterday, we too in glory struggle with those things and we wrestle with those things that we would keep our focus on Jesus and that we would lift him up. And that's the desire of our church and his desire of your church. So thank you. So thank you for reading. And we're just going to finish our our, our little series in Acts. And if you were with us yesterday, if you weren't with us yesterday, we learned that everything seemed to be going well for the church. The Lord's hand was with them. They'd launched out into the world. The first Gentile church in Antioch had had started. The Lord was adding to their number. They were blessed. They were being encouraged. They were strengthened. They'd faced barriers to the gospel, and they'd reached out to the dem. And all these things were happening, and it seems that everything was rosy in the garden. The church was also caring and was loving to each other. They were sharing their gifts as resources with those in need. And as I said, all seemed well. And the reason I want to finish with this as well, if you are going to be a church that's willing to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, you will face opposition. You will face fears. And as I said, the wrestling acts, if you read through the whole book of Acts, the wrestling acts is for you to drop Jesus and to be quiet about Jesus. That is always what's been done. When we get caught up with distractions about different things and we get into arguments and debates about different things, it's always to shift our attention away from Jesus that we wouldn't walk with him, that we wouldn't trust him, and we wouldn't proclaim his name. And God is very real in the scriptures. Sometimes we say, oh, it'll be all right, God will bless us, God will bless us. And especially in Western Christianity, we think that, oh, God is going to bless us all the time. We're going to be blessed, 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 and blessed. But the scriptures are very real. And as the name of Jesus is lifted up by his church, they will face opposition. And we need to hear that this morning. I want to remind you of two truths this morning. I want the first one is expect persecution or opposition. It is normal for those who will walk with Jesus Christ and lift up his name. It's something that's normal. And the second two, we need, second point I want to make is we need to pray to God for help because he is powerful, not us. Not Shane, not your leaders, not me. God is. And our eyes need to be on him. So first, expect persecution. It is normal for believers when we lift up the name of Jesus or we proclaim the gospel. You could ask the question, why chapter 12? I mean, the flow from 10 to 11, the church is moving in power. It's moving, it's moving. All of a sudden, we get chapter 12. We know there will be opposition to the gospel. But we need to realize that the gospel will prevail. The gospel will be lifted up because God is sovereign and on his throne. Can I ask you, how do you respond when people oppose you when you speak about Jesus? Does it cause you to go into your shell? Does it cause you to be silent about Jesus? That's exactly the purpose of opposition. 
It doesn't matter how it comes. And for Ireland, it's not extreme, yes. But it achieves its purpose when our lips get closed and the voice of the church is silent. And that is always its purpose. How do you respond? Are you surprised? And we shouldn't be surprised because it is one of the major themes of the Bible that God's people will face opposition if they will walk with God. Luke was warning us in this passage to expect it if we would lift up Jesus. Luke wants us to know that the gospel advances across the world, but there will be opposition to the advancement of the gospel. And we need to understand that. We need to heed the warning of Luke And it is also the warning of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to these words in John 15, 18 to 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. If we would be disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to count the cost of following Jesus Christ. And the cost for following Jesus Christ and proclaiming his name to your neighbors and to your friends is you might face rejection. And even this week, myself and Grace, we're doing What's the Story, and we've had 10 people come to What's the Story on Tuesday night at a Bible study that never came to church. Myself and Grace invited one of our neighbors and our neighbor came. And afterwards, there was complete silence. When we offered it to John's gospel that was free from the event. I don't want this. I don't want this. And yet we've been having that neighbor in our house. We've graced men coffee with her. There's a rejection. And what was the rejection for? Not because she doesn't like us, because we spoke about Jesus Christ. Now, is that going to quieten us in how we approach that neighbor? That's the battle we face. I want you to notice in verse 1 that they they were arrested for belonging to the church. The church is never to cause trouble in society. And in Acts, the church was always a blessing in society. The only reason they got into trouble is because they were talking about Jesus Christ. Okay, look at verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Why? Because King Herod wanted to please the Jews, because the Jews hated the church. Now, stop and think about that verse for a moment. Who hated the church? The Jews. What Jews? Religious Jews. What Jews? Good Jews. So here was a religious people, a good people, and they hated the church. Why? Because they heard the offense of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if you're sitting here this morning, have you heard the gospel? Have you heard the offense of Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you, have you heard the good Jesus? I'm not asking you if you heard the good teacher. I'm asking you, have you heard the offense of the gospel? Because the Jews heard the offense of Jesus Christ. And what was it? Jesus was saying to them, you cannot come to the Father because you're a Jew. 
You cannot come to the Father because you're religious. You cannot come to the Father because you're good. I've bad news for you. We were always meant to be good. We are created in God's image. God is holy, God is good, and we were meant to be good. The problem before God is we are not good. And we need that, good, that not good to be paid for. And the problem with the world is religious. Where what they're saying to God is, I have tokens in my pockets. Hold on, I think I've 3,000 tokens because I went to church. Will they do? I have 5,000 tokens in this other pocket of goodness. And Jesus Christ stood in Jerusalem to a very, the most religious people in the world. A godly people, a religious people, a good people. And he said to them, I am the way, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the Jews hated him for that. You remember when he, Jesus, when he opened, digged a hole in the roof and he dropped, the friends dropped their friend down in front of Jesus? What did Jesus say? That you might know that I can forgive sins, I tell the man to get up and walk. And the rumbling in behind with the religious leaders, only God can forgive sins. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying is, I am the only way you can be forgiven for your sins. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's the offense of the gospel. And that's what I heard when I was 25. And when I stood before Jesus, you're saying the only way I can come home to the Father is through you. I used, to, I used to think I'd get home through being good or being religious. And I dropped goodness and I dropped religion and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus Christ and his followers were asking these Jewish people to do. And they were offended by it. And they hated the church. Now when... Whenever the gospel is proclaimed, religion rises up, always, because the gospel tells us that religion and our goodness can't get there. And that's the offense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the devil will attack then. And I want you to see in this passion, in the devil's corner to help him in the battle against the church is the might of Rome, King Herod, the Jewish leaders are all lined up against the church. All lined up against the church of Jesus Christ. With their malice, intent, with guards, with prison, with chains, with swords, with rejection. If you were a Jew in that day, if you turned to Jesus Christ, you were put out of the synagogue. Rejection from your family, all those things. Why the offense of the gospel? And all this lineup is lined up for one reason only, to silence the, the lifting up of Jesus and to silence the voice that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Look at verse 2 and 4. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Herod, when he saw that it met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter, and after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads, of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. This is the third time in Acts 
that persecution has arisen. In Acts 4, 2 to 3, in, in Acts 8, 8 to 1, and now in 12, 1 to 4. And what Luke is telling us as he moves throughout, he's telling us to expect opposition as the gospel advances, as the gospel goes forward, as his church begins to lift up the name of Jesus, you will face opposition to that. And it is no different today. All these kind of things still happen today. For us in Ireland, it is a silent rejection of our friends, our family, or our work colleagues that if we speak the name of Jesus, you know, it won't be cool. But if you read church history, it tells you that these kind of things still happen today for those who will mention Jesus. In Christianity Today, the latest report of church persecution reveals that every day 12 Christians are unjustly arrested and imprisoned. Every day, 12 church buildings are attacked. Every day, 13 Christians are killed worldwide. And all this is done by the power of the country's leaders, state religion in a country like North Korea, India, Nigeria, China, Afghanistan, Libya, and Iran. In Acts, the church is in a battle against King Herod and all the might of the Roman Emperor behind him. And at the end of verse 4, it looks as if Herod has won and he is rejoicing. That's the picture Luke has given us. The world's attack on the church is going to succeed. It looks as if they're going to win. Look at verse 4. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four, four squads of soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial. And in verse 6, we see how hopeless this situation is for Peter. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two shoulders, bound with chains, and sentries stood at guard at the entrance. So Peter is guarded by four soldiers. He's chained to two, and two are standing at the door. And the soldiers are well... It's not as if the soldiers just are getting overtime for guarding Peter. If Peter gets out, okay they will be executed. So they're well motivated to make sure that Peter stays there. So humanly speaking, Peter is going nowhere and it looks like the gospel is not going to go no nowhere either. That the voice of the gospel, the one the leader is going to encourage the people to take their stand in Jesus, to encourage them to keep going with Jesus Christ, it looks like that is about to be stopped. So the question Luke has in the story is probably is, What's going to happen to the advance of the gospel? Will the gospel keep going forward? James is dead. Peter is in prison. The church is in turmoil. Leaders of the church entirely at the mercy of the most powerful ruler at that time in that area. It looks hopeless. It seems there's no way out as we try to proclaim the gospel because lined up against the gospel, and that's the same for us. Well, I ask you, what's lined up against the gospel in Ireland or in Passage West? Look at all the media and all the stuff that goes on and all the media attention against Christianity and everything else. And you wonder what's the point. All the stuff that goes on, the government, media, internet, educational system, power brokers, cool factor, wow factor, all stand against the gospel and the advancement of the gospel in Ireland. Where's our strength to stand so that the church can proclaim the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And we, we can seem like we're overwhelmed with all that's happening in our country and in the world. All, as I said yesterday, our Christian worldview is gone. We no longer, we're no longer the majority, we're the minority. And we don't know how to respond to that. But it was the same here in Acts. So where's our strength? My second point is this. Pray to God for help. He is powerful. Not you, not me. He is. These verses have told us not to be surprised by persecution. But we're not to turn away from God in our troubles. But we are to turn to Lord in prayer. When you get overwhelmed and you feel there's no way out in a situation, or you feel that there's a blockage there, you, t- you don't run from God, you run to God. And you pray. No matter how strong the world looks, it pales in comparison to the power of prayer. And I want you to see this this morning, that we need to be on our knees praying to God to help us to lift up Jesus. We heard this morning that we struggle with that. Someone said, I, I threw a rock in, I wasn't meaning to throw a rock in the pool. I was only meaning to throw a pebble. I wasn't meaning for you to take that up and take that on your shoulders. What I was meaning is that we, I have weak shoulders as well. You have weak shoulders. What I'm meaning is that we need to turn to God. And we need to tell God, God honestly how we're struggling in life. Be real with God. Because look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnestly praying to God. You could summarize verse 5 very simply. But God. All looks hopeless. But God. And from a human point of view, the church looks weak and beaten. Who are we in the world's eyes? Nobody's. Nothing. But the church turns to Prayer is our lifeline to God. When a church is found faithful to God, it is always found praying. Not by my strength, but by your strength. And when a church is faithful, it is a praying church. May God find Passage West a church faithful in praying. Do you pray much? It is one of the hardest disciplines for all of us. We do find it hard to pray. But we need to pray. Because we desperately need God in our lives. We desperately need God in our own walk with Him. We need Him in our neighborhood. We need Him in our workplace. And we need God to empower us and strengthen us to walk with Him. And I want you to notice something. Prayer is the only power that the powerless possess. We are powerless against this, all that's going on in Ireland. Who am I? Who are you? To stop the advance of all that's happening in the breakdown of society, the pain, the needs of so many people, all those things. Who am I? We are powerless. And a prayer and God is our only hope in that situation. And we need to turn to God in prayer. And I want you to know it says the church prayed, not Peter. Oh, but our leaders pray. No, it doesn't say that. It says the church prayed. Look at verse 5. But the church was earnestly praying for God for Peter. 
It was the church that was praying. It is corporate prayer. A lot of times when the Bible talks about prayer, it always talks about the body praying. The body, the corporate prayer. We praying as a church. We crying out to God as a people together. When disciples ask Jesus to teach, me, teach them to pray, how does it go? Does it say, my Father in heaven? What does it say? Our Father in heaven. Not my Father in heaven. Our Father. Is it corporate? Is the church praying? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. It's corporate. Jesus wants us to come together. Jesus wants us to learn to pray together. And maybe you think, you know, maybe you've heard Shane praying, he's a wonderful prayer. Or maybe Steve is a better, I don't know, or someone else very eloquent in praying, and I can't pray like that and all those things. Where God wants us to pray is in the pray ourselves, personality, the way we pray. But where you learn to pray is in the church. Where I learned to pray was in the body of believers. I didn't know how to pray. I was a new believer. They said they were going into that room to pray. I said, okay, I'm a believer now. Can I come in? Yes, you can come in. And where I learned church and life for church and all these things was where I learned to pray was with godly men who taught me to pray. And so if you say, well, I'm a quiet person. I don't, I don't, I leave that. I'm not a prayer warrior. All these, we get all these slow. We need to pray together as a body. Passage West, do you pray? I don't know when your corporate prayer meeting is if you have one. And even then, can I encourage you, is there two or three people in the church that you can meet for coffee? When you meet for coffee, can you pray together? Because God says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. So if you're meeting someone from coffee during the week, pray for the church, pray for each other. Because I can't strengthen you. But God can. And we need to rely on God. We need to, call. we need to pray more. I need to pray more. I don't pray enough. Can I say that as a pastor? I don't pray enough. So if the corporate body comes to prayer, that encourages me to pray. We can encourage you to pray together. We need to learn to pray. It's corporate. You learn to pray in church. But you know, Vincent... I don't have great faith. I'm not great at prayer. My prayers aren't perfect. I don't really have faith to believe that God could do anything in Passage West. I mean, Shane talked about 5,000 people. Wow, that's a bit much for me. I don't believe that's possible. I don't have much faith. I wonder, did you notice in the passage that they struggled with faith as well? Because sometimes we read the Bible, we get this impression that all these people, Peter and all, they were superhuman. They were just flesh and blood, like you and me. They needed God, just like you and me. And did you notice that their prayers were not perfect because they prayed for Peter and they did not expect it to happen? <laughs> did you notice that? They prayed for Peter, and they did not expect it to happen. So what did they? They had weak faith. What do you and I have? Weak faith. What did these men of flesh have in the Scriptures? Weak faith. 
But where were they turning to with their weak face? To God. God takes us just the way we are. We don't have to dress up and be something that we're not. We come to the one who is not weak, the one who is strong. But they took their weak faith and they went to God. Look at verse 14 and 16. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. And she opened the door and said, Peter, I can't believe that God has answered my prayer. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. No, no. She was overjoyed and she ran back in without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And then the rest of them, you know, maybe some of the leaders and maybe the stronger ones they thought were in faith, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. And they've just come and they're in a prayer meeting. You know, they're praying for Peter to be released and you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, does not that sound like us? Does that sound like us? And when she kept insisting that it was so, it must be an angel. But Peter's outside and he keeps knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. We don't have to believe that God can do great things for God to do great things. And that's the point. But we need to drag ourselves to prayer and ask God, the word earnest in verse 5 is the same word that was used by Jesus in, in Gethsemane. It's agony. It's, they're wrestling with God. Like Jesus, they're wrestling with God. And you can hear the wrestle because they're wrestling with God because their faith is weak. They're wrestling with God because of their doubts. They're wrestling with God because of their fears. But they're wrestling with God and they don't know what God... What are you up to, God. We thought the church was flying, and now Peter's in prison. They look, they've just killed James, and Peter's, he's next. What are you doing, God? They're wrestling with God, but they're in prayer together, wrestling with God. They're wrestling with God with their doubts, with their fears, with their lack of faith, because God is the one that is powerful, not us. It is God that protects his people. God answers the cry of their heart, and ours when they have little faith to believe and it's our faith in him that matters. It's our little faith in him. If our little faith is only a muscle, it's our faith in him that matters, not how great that faith is. It's God that answers prayer and it's he that is powerful, not Peter. In fact, did you notice in the passage, the great leader, if I said to you who are the great leaders in the, in the New Testament, Peter and Paul come straight to the top, okay? Did you notice that Peter is very passive in this situation? He's very passive. He's not this great superhero person. It is God that is at work. And it's reminding us we have the power of prayer when we turn to God. Look at how passive Peter, in verse 7, Peter had to be poked in the side to be woken. He wasn't expected to be released by God. He was asleep. He had to be poked to, be, to wake up. Verse 8, he had to be ordered to get up and get dressed. Verse 9, Peter doesn't realize what's happening is real. He thinks it's a dream. Verse 10, it's only after Peter makes it right outside the prison and a couple of streets away that he wakes up and grasps the situation. Why? Because it's, it is God. 
It's not a man. And we need to cry out to God together. Verse 18 and 19 19 tell, It is God that prevails. It is not the might of Herod or Rome, but it's the Lord who's the sovereign over all nations and individual. It's not the might of Peter. It is the Lord who is building his church. Your only call is to lift up Jesus. Speak of him. Jesus will build his church as we lift up his name. As he said, if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And sometimes you get worried, oh, they won't listen. That's not your responsibility. Your only responsibility is to acknowledge the one who saved you. The one who has loved you. The one who has forgiven you your sins. The one who has restored you into right relationship with God. That's what God asks us to do. And the power to build his church and to advance the gospel is in the Lord. He will advance his kingdom and he will have a bride for his son. The father says he will glorify the son and he will glorify his son. Our reading closes with Herod perplexed, Peter freed, the church rejoicing, and the gospel going forward. Verse 24, but the word of the Lord continued to spread and flourish. How can we respond to what we learned this morning? First, I would say to you, you need to be a praying church. And again, I'm not trying to heap more heavy things onto our shoulders. What I'm saying is we need to actually just come to God the way we are, weak and helpless, and ask God to help us. Ask God to help you proclaim that message in Passage West of lifting up his son. So are you part of corporate prayer in the church? Can you, if you meet two or three, if you meet for coffee, can you begin to pray for the work of the church and pray that you would help us? Or can you meet in twos and threes? It doesn't always have to be, I can't always make one at seven o'clock or wherever, but can you meet as a body? Because you are the body in Passage West. And where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. So pray. If you're struggling with prayer, join someone who likes to pray and help them to teach you to pray. But help learn to pray and you need to pray corporately. And I say that because secondly, you, you will need earnest prayer if you're going to keep, keep our voice for Jesus lifted up in this world because this world's purpose is to quieten your voice about Jesus that's what it wants to do all the little rejections all the little things or little comments that people make its sole purpose is that it would put a zip in your mouth and that you would not speak about Jesus Christ and so you need to pray about that pray that God would help us to keep our mouths open and to do that you will need to pray earnestly because we all, I, even I, and I'm sure Shane would say, there's opportunities come up and you go after and you go and said, why didn't I say that? You just, so we all, we need prayer to help us open our voice for Jesus. And thirdly, we need to trust God with our lives if we're going to live effective Christian lives. Our lives are in God's hand. Whose lives was Peter's? Whose, whose life was Peter's in? Herod's or God's? 
God's. Scripture says our days are numbered in the Lord. Nothing will, you will have all the days that God ordained for you. So trust God with your life. Give God your life and ask him to help you live that life for him. And remember there will be opposition. But we can trust God to protect his people as necessary until the time has come because our days are numbered in the Lord. So I encourage you as Passage West, as I say in Gory, lift up Jesus. Acknowledge the one who has loved you. Acknowledge the one who has saved you. Acknowledge the one who is, who is preparing a place for all eternity and who is waiting for you. And pray for each other that you will do that because you will face opposition to that. And encourage each other. Don't get mad at each other. Encourage each other to lift up your voice for Jesus. And be in it together in prayer and helping each other with those things. Thank you again for my time here. I hope my ramblings have been a blessing and an encouragement. And do pray for us in Gory as we too seek to lift up the name of Jesus. And, and as I seek to raise not my voice, but to raise the voice of the body of Jesus Christ in Gory. And I want, Shane wants to raise your voice. I think what the church needs most of all is the whole body to raise his voice for Jesus. And that's even, a, if you have a quiet voice, raise it. If you can only speak five words for Jesus, speak five words. For others who speak a lot, they'll speak more. But if you're a quiet person, speak five words for Jesus Christ. And pray for each other that you would do that. Amen. <laughs>